the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. Can crypto solve the inflation problem? The Nigerian Naira has lost nearly half its value against the US dollar in the last year. The Malawian Kwacha has lost 30% against the dollar in two years. And the Rand is down about 20% against the dollar over the same two-year period. You notice this as soon as you start importing goods or you travel abroad. It's a shock for South Africans to be paying the equivalent of 200 Rand for a cappuccino in London. That's a feeling that many people have come to regret. There's a very real inflationary consequence to currency devaluation. Earlier this month, the Reserve Bank decided not to increase interest rates, having increased them already 10 times since November 2021. It decided this because inflation is down below its target range of 6%. But though it appears inflation is falling, it's still at 5.4%, having topped out at nearly 8% in 2022. Add load shedding and failing public services to the equation, and the costs of living are bound to increase further. Taking a longer-term view, the rand has depreciated by about 7% a year over the last decade against the U.S. dollar. So back to the question, can crypto solve the inflation problem? To explore this, we're joined by Richard Schoolman, Chief Financial Officer at Yellowcard, a crypto exchange and payments company based in the U.S., but operating predominantly in Africa. Hi, Richard. It's good to have you on the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast. And it is an interesting question whether cryptos can actually solve the inflation problem. It seems a lot of your customers across Africa are using cryptos for exactly this purpose, if I'm not mistaken. Tell us about that. Hey, Kieran. Great to chat with you today. As you said, Yellowcard is a pan-African crypto exchange. We offer our customers the ability to buy crypto from us in exchange for their local African currencies. The interesting thing is that whilst we do offer Bitcoin, Ethereum, and a bunch of altcoins on our platform, the biggest demand from our customers is for stable coins. A stable coin is a type of cryptocurrency that's designed to maintain a stable value by being pegged to a reserve of assets. So in this instance, we're talking about dollar stable coins like uh, USDT. What it means is that we give our customers the ability to swap their local currency for crypto that is designed to always be worth the same value um, as the dollar. What that tells me is that the use case for crypto is evolving from a purely speculative pay on Bitcoin to one which seeks to solve real-world problems like inflation. So by swapping their local currency for something that is always equal to the dollar, our customers are effectively protecting themselves from the harsh realities of their rapidly depreciating African currencies. I mean, the goal of a lot of these investment funds that you have in South Africa is to beat inflation by about 2 or 3% a year. That, of course, when you compound that over 10 years or so, that, that adds up to quite a sum. Uh, recently, I did an exercise where I took the average salary in South Africa, which is about 310000 a year. It's quite high, higher than I thought, but that's according to Stats SA. If you save 10% of that in U.S. dollar stable coins like USDC, you ended up with about $2.5 million after that 10-year period. That's $2.5 million in, in RAND terms. That's six times more than if you left it in rands only. And that's just really showing you what the effect of currency depreciation is. 
But it's an interesting exercise to do. You know, when you start adding these, you start compounding these gains uh, that you can make per year by storing your savings in in stable coins. It does show what uh, the possibilities are. And are Africans waking up to these possibilities? We, we are hearing stories, for example, of stable coins, massive use of stable coins in countries like Nigeria and in Kenya. What's your experience? Well, absolutely. The biggest demand for, for cryptocurrencies from our ca- uh, customers are uh, in countries like Nigeria, Ghana, Cameroon, Kenya, uh, and of course, South Africa, uh, where the challenges of inflation and currency depreciation are most prevalent. Of course, we're not even talking about investing here. We're talking about finding relatively safe havens. So give us some of the use cases that you've seen through Yellow Card for uh, cryptos. Well, exactly. The use case of, of crypto in Africa is not just about beating inflation. One of the, the biggest challenges in Africa is our banking system uh, and the ability to perform basic banking functions. So what we are seeing in Africa is that people are using crypto to pay each other, particularly cross-border transactions. We have a product called YellowPay, where a customer in, say, Kenya can load the Yellow Card app with Kenyan shillings using either mobile money or a bank transfer, and then make a payment to a supplier in Tanzania. All he has to do is specify the amount in Tanzanian shillings, and that is exactly the amount the supplier receives in his Yellow Card app. We take care of the rest. So what happens in the back end is that we use our crypto rails to transfer that value. It's quick and a lot cheaper and more reliable than traditional banking methods. Uh, YellowPay is not yet available in all countries, South Africa included, but I see big potential for this particular use case. The same principle applies to the remittance market. That is, Africans working abroad and sending money home to mom. The World Bank estimates that $100 billion a year flows into Africa from remittances, which is currently twice the level of foreign direct assistance. The crazy thing is that it costs on average 8% to send money home, and it can take many days. The other challenge is, is the payout point on the other end, which could be miles away from mom, and then there's the real risk of carrying that cash home. With crypto... Dollars can be sent from the US or UK to Africa, and those funds arrive directly into the recipient's phone within a couple of minutes. And when I talk about dollars, this is in the form of USDT, the stable coin we were talking about earlier. The recipient can then choose to keep the funds in USDT to protect themselves from currency devaluation, and then convert to local currency and withdraw to their mobile money or bank account as and when they need it. Another brilliant use case is receiving your salary in crypto. So at Yellowcard, we give all our staff the option of getting paid in USDT. We establish an exchange rate for each country our staff are based in, and their net pay is then fixed in dollar terms. The starting exchange rate is usually quite favorable to them, and as their currency inevitably weakens over time, they get a real benefit of receiving an increasing amount of local currency each month. We still pay all employee taxes and other statutory deductions to the revenue authorities in local currency as normal. So in terms of costs, our staff, and all yellow card customers for that matter, don't pay anything to receive crypto into their yellow card wallet. When they want to sell that crypto for local currency, they pay a half a percent fee, and then about 12 rand in South African business to withdraw those funds to their bank account. Uh, that withdrawal fee is easy just to recover from what we pay our payment partners to effect that payment. In some countries, we pass that fee out to the customers, and other countries, we just eat it. 
Our employees clearly benefit, and from a company perspective, and personally as CFO, it's a great arrangement. We're a dollar company, so it's good to remove the variability of one of our biggest monthly costs. And also conversations with staff about salary increases have become more about individual performance than on an adjustment for their country's inflation rate. About over half of our staff have elected this option, and I can tell you that others are kicking themselves for not doing the same. Okay, so you're offering your staff the ability to receive effectively their pay in dollars, USDT, which is Tether. Um, yeah. And if they want to convert that then into rands, you're going to charge them about a half a percent uh, plus 12 rand, which seems like very low because you mentioned there the average cost of remitting money from anywhere in Africa to another country. That's about 8% according to the World Bank. So, but only half of the people have elected to do it this way, and the other half, you say, are kicking themselves. Do you not see that there's a potential here for a lot of companies in South Africa might be interested to hear that? You know, their, their employees might be interested to receive the equivalent of dollars. They're not really dollars. They're a, the, the equivalent or a facsimile of a dollar, right, because it's a crypto version. Don't you see a market here in, in the broader South African corporate community? I do, Kieran, and I think you know, the, the adoption rate at Yellow Card specifically of, of half the employees is, is also a function of we don't allow employees to, to chop and change. So we have specific windows that we open up probably twice a year, I think, um, where employees can then switch across to, to USDT payment. And we haven't had opened that window for, for a couple of months, and that's probably why those staff haven't, haven't switched across. Um, certainly, if I look at demand, it's, it's, it's there and questions are being asked. I think from a perspective of other companies wanting to do the same, I think there's definitely demand. Uh, probably from a company's perspective, they would want to uh, have a natural hedge. And what I mean by that is you know, most of our revenue is ultimately in dollars uh, and we're a dollar company. So for us to fix our salary cost to dollars is, is a smart thing to do. A, a purely South African company that is uh, generating revenue in rands is not going to necessarily want to to then convert that that cost into dollars. But there there are a multitude of multinational companies in South Africa and throughout Africa, for that matter, uh, that would I, I believe uh, benefit from from this arrangement, and certainly their employees would too. Just talk about the legal implications of this because you now have dollars. I mean, the banks, for example, they're offering, they do offer a foreign exchange account. You can, you can earn dollars. You can store it in the dollars. You can move it around because that's money that's earned over broad, uh, abroad and has been brought back to South Africa. So you avoid then the costs of having to convert to rands and back to dollars again. What are the legal implications if you have a, a U.S. dollar stablecoin and you want to ship money abroad, you still have to comply with the exchange control regulations, correct? Correct. In South Africa particularly, we don't have conclusive regulatory guidance yet on, on, on how to monitor and report on, on cross-border requirements. From a customs perspective, we are required to complete full KYC on all our customers, uh, and then monitor for any anti-money laundering, sanctions compliance, uh, financial crime, and, and all those good things. Also, as an, as an American company, uh, we naturally take this very seriously and adopt a compliance-first approach in, in every jurisdiction we operate in. Many African governments are still working through crypto regulations, 
South Africa has declared crypto assets to be financial products, which now requires crypto companies like us to apply for a financial services provider license with the FSCA. We see this as a very good thing, particularly since it uh, ultimately creates a competitive advantage over those companies that are that are not compliant. In other countries in Africa, not Botswana, their crypto regulations are more advanced. And we are the first licensed crypto company in that country. There are other countries in Africa that are uh, going through sandbox uh, processes where we are then able to participate in a ring-fence regulatory environment as, as we figure out the crypto regulations with them. Tell us a bit about Yellow Card and give us a sense, if you can, of the size in terms of customer numbers and countries of operation, the number of countries that you're in. So Yellow Card was founded in 2018. Uh, it's one of the largest crypto exchanges on the African continent currently. We have over one and a half million customers in 17 African countries. And those customers have transacted over $2 billion to date. We've raised over $50 million from Silicon Valley VCs and other crypto companies. And we have a team of about 228 pretty amazing employees. 228 across the globe. Are your customers in South Africa more interested in cryptos as a speculative investment or as a means of payment? Which is the dominant uh, motivation for buying crypto? For us, definitely as a means of payment. Uh, that's what differentiates us from other exchanges. Our customers typically load their wallets with local currency, use that to buy crypto, and then send that crypto to make payments. Our customers typically don't buy and hold for long periods of time on our platform. I can see our lower-tier customers do play around with trading a variety of the altcoins we offer, but our larger and institutional customers are almost exclusively trading the SDT. And so the... The cryptos that you can purchase on your exchange, how many coins, for example, are available? We offer a small handful of, of cryptocurrencies. In addition to the stable coins that we were talking about earlier, we offer Solana, Cardano, uh, Matic. Uh, we even uh, offer Tether Gold, which is a form of stable coin where the underlying currency is not a currency, but rather the price of gold. Mm-hmm. And of course, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, correct. Okay. And are you seeing much enthusiasm for the adoption of crypto in Africa? I mean, I, I get the sense that a lot of Africans are beginning to understand how cryptos can be used to solve some of these problems that we've been talking about, like inflation and payments. Um, are you seeing that? Uh, are you seeing big growth in numbers in certain parts of Africa more than others? Oh, absolutely. I think Africa is, is leading the world in some respects in terms of crypto adoption. And I think the advent of crypto adoption can be likened to the early days of the internet, uh, when its initial use case was primarily used for simple tasks like sending emails and basic web browsing. So in, in much the same way, cryptocurrency and, and the blockchain was synonymous with just Bitcoin, where the public perception was that this was a purely speculative investment and the skeptics were those that had missed out on the early rush. The dot-com boom and bust in the late 90s and early 2000s can be likened to the rise and fall of, of Bitcoin. And I would imagine the same could be said for AI large language models. AI has been around for decades, but until the release of ChatGBT, the public perception of AI was limited to you know, science fiction movies that was associated with some kind of sentient being that 
pose a threat to humanity. So just as the internet's use case has evolved beyond just email and basic web browsing, so, so have cryptocurrencies advanced their use cases. And I think cross-border payments emerging as, as one of the, the real and understandable use cases. A final question, Richard. What's on the horizon for Yellow Card? What plans have you got in place for the coming year or couple of years? Uh, I would say exciting things on horizon. Being a being a private company, there's a lot that's happening that we can't disclose. But it would be along the the general theme of providing financial inclusion to our customers in Africa. So we, whilst we we US born, we very much African bred, um, and our customers are those Africans that require a product that gives them financial freedom and financial inclusion. You've seen how Africans can leapfrog technology from you know, skipping out on the whole infrastructure of landlines straight to, to mobile phones, skipping out on banking and, and moving straight to, to mobile money. Um, I see the same thing happening with the adoption of cryptocurrency. So we're not religious about crypto as a, a dystopian tool to, to disintermediate uh, governments. For us, it's a tool. Cryptocurrency and the blockchain is, is a tool to be able to allow customers to transact more effectively and more efficiently. And so the general theme and strategy of, of the company is to is to promote that 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 belief. And and with that will come more products that we then offer to be able to uh, allow customers to to transact in that space uh, using cryptocurrency as the tool. And I guess when somebody downloads a yellow card wallet, one of the questions they're going to have is how safe is my crypto and my funds? Uh, no doubt you yeah. spend quite a bit of time and effort and money on these custody and security issues. Well, absolutely. Um, so I was talking earlier about yellow card being an American company. What that means is that we, are, we adhere to the, the highest levels of compliance. Um, so our chief compliance officer and our chief information security officer, both very senior people in the company, and they both sit on the exec, and that drives the whole strategy downwards and make sure that that we are a compliance-first com- company. The the way we protect our customer funds starts with first of all understanding who our customers are. And so I was talking about us having having to perform full compliance checks on our customers, understanding who they are, making sure that we are never transacting and our other customers are never transacting with literally exposed people um, or bad actors. So we have a good handle on who our customers are uh, before we allow them to, to transact in our ecosystem. And that ensures that uh, the other customers that, that use the yellow card products are, are safe. From a technology point of view, we obviously use the, the biggest and best tools to, to ensure that our, our crypto assets are safeguarded. Uh, and then we do basic things like making sure that our customer funds are not co-mingled with our own um, and that our customer funds are, are safe. So uh, we, don't, we don't release public proof of reserves as such. And I think that requirement needs to be enhanced anyway. It needs to be more a case of the company giving the public 
can put that these proof of solvency. From a company financial point of view, like I said, our, uh, the, the proportion of funds that our customers hold on our account is, is very low, um, which means that we are we're never carrying a, a large liability at any stage. But we are we are in very good financial health as a company, um, and that that should give the, the the public and our customers a lot of comfort that that their their crypto is safe um, and the world of plastic. All right, Richard, thanks very much. We're going to leave it there. Fascinating discussion with Richard Schumann, CFO of Yellow Card. Thank you, Richard. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.